everybody. Uh, so glad to finally be getting out of Sloth. I know that a lot of you really enjoyed the story, and I'd really love to show you, I want to show all of you, what it looks like. I can't provide a brief enough description, nor a vivid enough description, but now we're going to be moving on to one of the more fascinating rings of hell. So I think it's time that you sit back, might as well pull up a chair, get a snack, because it's time we talk about gluttony. So as you may recall from where we left off, Morpheus went to Azazel, the Prince of Wrath, for help. And Jack and Dr. Cynthia were left alone in the woods of Gluttony, with torches heading towards him at, increasingly, at an increasing pace. So, now it's time that I talk a little bit about this ring, and more in depth, if you will. Gluttony is well known for its incredible culinary arts and cook-offs. You don't duel with guns in the towns or knives, you cross soup ladles, or bread knives, or whatever. You battle in cook-offs with a judge to taste test. The winner of the battle receives their choice of prize, whether that's a jewel, the ability to pass through, etc. These duels don't happen very often, and most people generally prefer typical fighting, but it's a celebratory... thing, I suppose. Now, despite this rule set, there are other inhabitants of these jungles and forests. The Natajek and the Mohoa, ancient tribes far older than Lucifer himself. One is passive, while the other is aggressive. There's only one way to decipher which is which, and that is to analyze and decode their languages. To this day, no one has ever been successful in finding out this information, nor determining which is which. I hope that I... Or rather, I did hope that I could say there's a first time for everything, but unfortunately... I think I'd better respect their policies and regulations, so we'll leave them be for the time being. So, as the duo made their way through the thick jungle, past strange crocodile-like creatures, demented birds, and even, the surprisingly most normal thing in the ring, jaguars. Sure, there were tarantulas and dangerous insects, but the thing you'd recognize at first sight were the jaguars. While Dr. Cynthia examined everything, taking notes and snippets of information for herself and her research, Jack just took a bullet to anything that so much breathed at them the wrong way. But most of the time on the jungle paths, he kept his gun down. After walking for quite some time, they reached a small town with sandstone textured architecture and high sloping archways leading to a town square. The Sin Hunter felt right at home, swirling his torn and scarred trench coat into a more comfortable poncho, while Dr. Cynthia felt incredibly out of place. She was still wearing her lab coat and sneakers, which had started to wear themselves out in Terran spots. Is there any place a scientist can get some more durable clothing? she asked. Jack leaned back against a cut stone pillar and took out a new clip for his gun. Dunno. You do some exploring, then meet me back here when you're done, alright? Dr. Cynthia rushed off to go find a store and to talk with the natives, and Jack simply kicked back and watched as people began to slowly filter into view. They were children, although Jack couldn't dis quite decipher what kind of race there are. As you know, since there are different races in hell, well, they're there just like there are in the living world. So let's take imps. Imps, for example, are a race that comes from wrath, and yet you find them everywhere. Tourists, explorers, whatever else your twisted little mind can think of. But these people were different. They looked almost human, 
They still had devil horns, but there was no denying that. They had strange tattoos on their arms and face, and they more closely resembled a mixture of the ancient Aztecs with a strangely distinct Mexican-Colombian culture. Jack took in all these little details, then began to roam around the square, trying to piece together as much as he could about these people and their strange way of life. So, while Dr. Cynthia roamed freely, searching for more durable gear to combat the harsh and unforgiving jungle terrain, Jack spent time learning about the culture and the languages these people spoke. Slowly, bit by bit, Jack began to piece together the history of this world. The language of these citizens was a combination of sign language and strange sounds, so basically you could write whatever you wanted. But eventually he learned some basic points, and he began to ask some questions. I have heard rumors about this world you live in. Could you tell me a bit about this? Why, yes, of course, a taller, brighter, tattooed man said. Yes, our village is one of many. There are far greater and bigger societies scattered throughout our ring, but not all are as kind and welcoming. We function as sort of a rest stop. Jack nodded and continued, right as Dr. Cynthia rounded the corner, decked to the teeth with rustic attire. Hiking boots, a backpack, a leather jacket, and a small hatchet on her belt made up the new look. Jack turned around mid-sentence. Ah, forgive the sudden intrusion. Please excuse me, Jack told the tattooed man. He turned to Dr. Cynthia, then spoke in the language that he was taught. <sighs> See you found some comfy stuff. You're looking more like me now. Dr. Cynthia nodded. Yep, well, for the most part. Couldn't find the right style of fedora for the set. Jack nodded. That's understandable. This thing is one of a kind. Jack then turned back to the tattooed man. Dr. Cynthia, this is Navarre. He's going to help us better understand this world we live in, and hopefully we can find some way out of hell. Jack then turned to Navarre and spoke in his language. This is Dr. Cynthia. She's a kind person and good of heart. Navarre looked past the Sin Hunter, then nodded. And when Dr. Cynthia thought that Jack had cleared her, he said, Oh, she does get a little snappy and a bit stubborn, but that's normal. She's from Sloth, you know. Navarre burst into roaring laughter, to which Dr. Cynthia had not the slightest idea about. But nevertheless, the trio now set off, back into the dark treachery of the forest, where the jaguars, demons, the Natajek, and the Mohua awaited. After certain hours of waiting, Lucifer sat at his grand dining table, a warm meal before him and long rolls and stacks of paper. The looming amounts of paychecks and work no longer bothered him. This cannot happen. Forces far greater than even my comprehension are counting me on me to arrest and exterminate this troublesome sin hunter, as the media now calls him, which is perfect. As he began plucking through his dinner and his research, his wife, Lilith, entered the room, a smile on her face as usual. Now, Lilith, as you would expect, had quite the handful of press, fame, and fortune on her hands, but she preferred the quiet way every now and then. Is everything all right, Lucifer? she asked. Lucifer stopped his work and sighed. Well, I suppose. The acid is taking a little while longer to heal, but other than that, I feel quite miserable. Lilith nodded, taking this in. I see. So, was it a good idea to exclude Beelzebub from your meeting? Lucifer perked up in confusion. My meeting? What meeting? As he said this, Morpheus and Azazel both entered the dining hall. Morpheus cloaked in his facial mask to survive the harsh temperatures, and Azazel, twirling a pistol in one hand. Thank you, Lilith. Morpheus said, through his now unrecognizable face. Azazel took the liberty of kissing Lilith's hand. Now, don't let my country accent fool ye, ma'am. I can assure you I'm quite the gentleman when I need to be. Lilith blushed. Oh, please. You always were quite polite, regardless of timing. Lucifer smiled. Ah, Azazel. It's quite the pleasure to see you here. You rarely visit. The Prince of Wrath took a seat in a chair that fancied his leg. Why, thank you, sir. Lucifer directed his attention to Morpheus. Feels like only a few hours ago that I met you. 
So, my dear scientist, why have you arrived here? It's hardly ever your time. Morpheus shook his metal-clad head. No, no, sir. I've come with great news and not so great news. Lucifer sat forward, intent. Well, please, speak freely. Morpheus whistled, and a container was wheeled into the room by two scientists from Sloth. Their sleeves rolled up to reveal metal gauntlets for heat protection. They hefted the tube up onto the table, and then scurried out as fast as they could. Morpheus entered a seven-digit code into the vault, and the hatch opened, smoke pouring forward into the room. From the smoke, the illumination of the Sin Hunter sat up. Lucifer charged forward, his scepter raised in action. Finally! Time for a fair remount! But Lucifer didn't get very far, as a gloved hand shot from the smoke and grabbed the scepter midair. But Morpheus only smiled, bigger than ever. Because the figure that emerged from the smoke, although faceless, was the Sin Hunter, in bright scarlet red. Any and all evidence of brown or black was replaced with red and brick red. The Red Hunter stepped out from the smoke and then pressed a button on its throat. A recording noise could be heard, and a speaker from behind the faceless head spoke. Mm. Right, let's move on with this. You're killing my time, pal. Lucifer sat up, amazed. It... it sounds just like him. Morpheus nodded. Azazel and Beelzebub helped to make this gem of a creation. I present to you Diamond Jack, courtesy of Beelzebub's clever card joke. Lucifer circled Diamond Jack like a shark. Every angle felt almost perfectly matched, save only for his missing facial features. Diamond Jack, however, boasted a giant flaming red rifle, as opposed to two pistols. How did you make this? Lucifer asked, intrigued. Morpheus sighed, then spoke up. Well, that's the thing. It's not entirely clear how he came to be. We received blueprints of this creature from an anonymous source in Envy, and so far he's worked incredibly well. Azazel gave a proper demonstration. A recording played on Diamond Jack's bracelet on his right glove, showing Azazel and the Scarlet Sin Hunter battling. Diamond Jack fought just as evenly as the real deal, and in some ways even better. Azazel then spoke. Tried dismantling his gears, but this fella's just too good. Gave me a real whopping out there. Lucifer, however, had a strange and twisted fire in his eyes. He gazed at Diamond Jack with an intent for carnage so vast you could never spend it all. The corners of his mouth twisted into a smile, and winds seemed to slowly creep into the room, extinguishing candles and fluttering tapestries all around the dining hall. No, this will work. Send Azazel and our Scarlet Sin Hunter to Gluttony at once. Let's kill that brat and watch him burn. Meanwhile, cutting through the jungle with machetes, Jack, Cynthia, and Navarre trekked up the steep mountain, Dr. Cynthia finally tucking her notebook away and gasping for air. <sighs> Is this really necessary? Couldn't we, I don't know, use another trail? Jack nodded, then looked up and translated the question to Navarre. The tattooed man spoke back in his native tongue, and Jack turned back to his partner. He says no, this is the fastest way to where we're going. If we're going to find these tribes, we need to take routes that they use. That was the last bit of conversation for a while. Jack was silent due to the beautiful flowing waterfalls and mountains, as well as cities where festivals and smells of culinary masterpieces wafted into the air. Dr. Cynthia was more silent because she didn't want to be impaled by whatever tribe attacked first. Navarre hummed an old tune to himself, which calmed the group and gave them motivation to press forward. But at the top of the mountain, they stopped to catch their breath. Jack unloaded his backpack and looked out over the twilight forest. From all the way up here, you can almost see the end of the ring. Navarre nodded, then spoke in his language. Yes, the views my people have discovered have always been nothing short of majestic. We take pride in knowing that we exist in close harmony in a place so terrible as hell. Jack nodded, then turned to Dr. Cynthia. Did you bring anything that can help us get a better view? Suddenly, Dr. Cynthia turned around, as did the other two. The golden elevator, far off through the trees, had opened, 
and though it was hard to make out exactly who had entered the ring, entered the ring, Jack and Dr. Cynthia had a pretty good guess.